Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Lord, it is living, it is active. And it's able to divide between the joints and marrow, Lord. It's able to divide between the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So mighty God, I pray that you would come now and do exactly that, Lord, as the word is preached. Lord, not so much what I say, but your word going out and dividing between the thoughts and the intents of the hearts of everybody here. And we we claim that in Jesus' name because we know that it will be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I just want to quickly cover, we started a a three-part series that goes over two weeks. And, uh, and the, the, the series was Prophesy the Promise. And the intention is that it's a faith-activating, a hope-mobilizing, and a spirit-motivating word that it'll fill our 2020 with intentionality and purpose. That's the goal. Uh, but yes, last week, we just looked at the fact that sometimes we need to unpack a little bit before we can press forward. Our good friend Nathan Robinson told us about painting a wall and how unless you get rid of the imperfections on it, that you um, are not likely to have a successfully painted wall. Me personally, I would prefer just to get some paint, slap it on the wall, that looks fresh, that looks bright, that looks beautiful, but Nath reminded us that it would only be a matter of weeks before all the imperfections came through, and if we tried to hang anything on that wall, we would be unable to. Well, that's like our 2020. If we were to try and just push forward and with with positivity and, hey, yeah, great, let's go, then, uh, then without dealing with the stuff in our lives, then actually we're leaving the weakness there. Without intention and attention to perpetual behaviours that go along in our lives, they will just remain. We'll get to 2021 and the same things that we're struggling with now we'll be struggling with then, with no attention or intention. We looked at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 that says, that let us throw off every weight and the sin that entangles. So there's not just sin that holds us up and that we need to get rid of, but also there's weight. I was thinking about that this week, that actually TV for me is a shocker. I thoroughly enjoy the TV. I thoroughly enjoy winding down. And, and that's not sin, is it? No. Um, and, but, but I'll just, I'll eat too much food in front of the TV. I'll stay up too late in front of the TV. I'll drink too much water that may or may not have been turned into wine in front of the TV. And things that, that just would go on, I would do in front of the TV. And so... I know that even though it's not sin, it's not good for me, and that's a weight that if I'm to press into everything in 2020, I need to watch less TV, less Netflix. I hate you, you binge-watching provider. (laughs) So what is it for us? And we looked at that. We looked at habits. We looked at attitudes. We looked at allowances, how sometimes we ask where the line is so that we can go as close to the line as possible without going over it. And in fact, asking where the line is might be the wrong question that we're asking. And God did a good work, didn't he, last week? So many people um, just actually decided to say things that they were struggling with without even being asked for. So that's a good work that God was doing. We looked at the fact that, that we could focus on the fruit, but we're better to go to the root and ask questions like, what is this, what need is this meeting? What uh, pain is this stopping? What is this counterfeiting? We looked at the fact that 1 Corinthians talks about having a foot in both camps, that it talks about sexual immorality. It talks about testing God. And just in case we were like, well, I'm not wrestling with that, I'm not wrestling with that, I'm not wrestling with that, 
It also talks about grumbling and how we should believe for deliverance. But in waiting for deliverance from those things, that every single time we should put up a fight no matter what it is. That we shouldn't just go, well, everyone wrestles with this. Everyone I know wrestles with this. So I'll be okay. No, no. Put up a fight every time. Struggle every time. And then if it continues to be a struggle, put up a fight every time. Believe for deliverance, but know that His grace is sufficient for us. That His power is made perfect in our weakness. Turn to the person next to you if you weren't here last week and say, boy, I'm glad I wasn't here last week. And if that person just said that to you, turn to them and say, boy, you needed it though, and I'm getting you the podcast. So perpetual behaviors, but we want to push forward into prophesying the promise. So we've got one last thing to deal with before we go there, and that is dealing with our perspective, dealing with our perspective. There are three problems with our perspective. There's our perspective of God, there's our perspective of ourselves, and there's our perspective of the promise. And these all tie in together. I want to take us to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6. It says this. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Now, you might rightly wonder why we talk so much about the children of Israel, why we're so concerned with a people group that was centuries and millennia ago, and that really, how much bearing does going in and taking the land have on us today? But in fact, if we call Jesus our Lord and Savior tonight, this is like our origin story. So at the moment, I think there's something like 5 million refugees displaced in Syria. And so for them, when they eventually make it to a place like Greece or France, you can bet that they're telling their children about that time that they got into that leaky boat and they had to pay all their savings and everything that they had and they had to get in there and, and they feared for their lives and, 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 and your mother, kids, she had to hold you up above her head, you, 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 baby, she had to hold you up above her head in order for you not to drown and, and, and at one point I lost you, I couldn't see you anywhere and I was yelling out your names and I was crying out and, and then I found you and, and you can bet that that's a story that is told from generation to generation. Well, this exodus is, is our origin story. In fact, these first five books of the Bible, the Torah, they're our origin story. And they start out talking about how, how the people of Israel have a version of the other cultures around them's origin story. It's different though. You see, the people around them had the, the origin story that God had this big fight because there was chaos going on around And this this dragon rose up out of the water and there was chaos and there was a battle between God and the dragon and eventually he subdued the dragon and brought it into order. And the people of Israel are like, oh, nice story. So our God saw chaos and spoke (laughs) and the chaos stilled and brought it into order. So uh, nice nice origin story, 
Nicolaites. <laughs> that's not a people group. Um, whatever ites that they might be, we've got an origin story that's a whole lot better than yours. Our God actually trumps your God every time. So there's the origin story in Genesis, and then it slips into straight history when he calls out Abraham and starts listing genealogies time after time after time. And it's the story of how he's faithful in the midst of it all. So when we get to Deuteronomy, it's where they're about to go into Canaan. And Moses is pretty much just reviewing stuff for the people of Israel. He's reviewing the law. He's reviewing um, the covenant. He's reviewing their journey. And he's reviewing or, or commissioning Joshua to take them in to the land. So he gives them um, a picture of what it was like. He says, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And I wonder at the start of 2020... If God would quicken to anyone's heart tonight, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance. God's heart for all of us here tonight is that we would advance. We would advance. And so we're going to head. And then he, in verse 8, he says, See, I have given you this land. He realigns their perspective. He wants them to leave behind all their perpetual behaviours and he wants them to break camp, let go of all that, because that was the place where they had the golden calf and they had their foot in both camps. And he says, I want you to leave all that, I want you to advance. And he says, see, I have given you this land. He realigns their perspective. And he says, I want you to take, go in and take possession of it. In verse 19, it says, you have, re-, then I said to, no. Oh, yes. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went towards the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. He said, I've given it to you. And then Moses says, he's giving it to us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Had he? They didn't have it. But the Lord had given it to them and he's saying, go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers told you, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Down to verse 26 for the sake of time here tonight. But you were unwilling to go. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us up out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose hearts because he came back with a response that, Actually, the land was really good and the people were really big. Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. And even the cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there who were the large people. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did in Egypt before your very eyes and in the desert. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. So they'd seen magnificent manifestations of the power of God. And in spite of this, they didn't trust God. I don't know what you're waiting for tonight. Maybe you're waiting for a magnificent manifestation of the power of God that you might step into what he has for you. But actually, that won't necessarily change anything because it didn't for them. If your perspective of God is not right, not realigned, and if your perspective of yourself is not right, 
You see, these people were slaves for 400 years. They were slaves in Egypt. And so they, they had this slavery mindset. And it, can you blame them? Like if you hadn't heard from God for 400 years, if you had to watch your children grow up in slavery, if you watch generational slavery time after time, sometimes they get a bit of a bad rap. But I'm like, yeah, I can see why you would not trust God in that instance. It, it seems like he was silent. It seems like he was deaf to you. And, and so it would be difficult. But God was in the desert trying to realign their perspective, trying to show them, no, I care for you, trying to show them, no, I love you, I desperately love you, I want this relationship with you, I I, I have this marriage covenant with you. That's what the Ten Commandments was, a marriage covenant for them. And yet, they just didn't trust Him. They were unwilling to trust Him. So let me ask about your perspective tonight. What is your perspective of God? Have you seen death where you prayed for life? And has that caused your trust in God just to notch back? Are you looking at your children who are no longer walking with God and going, but God, they're my children. And that's just caused you to put a little bit of distance between you and God. How is your perspective of God? And if you're like, well, I don't really know him, Bron. Let me ask you, how's your perspective of yourself? Do you feel like you are someone who God would love? Because I want to remind you tonight that none of us are worthy of God's love, but he gave his everything for us. We looked at that last week, that, you know, we looked at all the things that we could be committing and could be doing, but that in John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, it says, I've written all this to you, my dear children, so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we've got Jesus Christ right there, standing in your defense, advocating not only on behalf of you, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's looking after all that, okay? We good? We got it? So that's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves you. He was willing to give everything for you. Realigning our perspective of the promise. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So that's a realignment that he wants to do of our perspective right here tonight about who he is. Without faith, it's impossible to please him because anyone who comes to him must believe that first he exists, can't come to him unless he exists, and that he rewards those. He's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. That's who he longs to be to you, a rewarder. So he needs to do away with our perpetual behaviors and then realign our perspective in order for us to be able to prophesy the promise. Now, you might rightly have some misgivings when you hear the word prophesy here tonight. Maybe you grew up in a church where the word prophecy was used awfully loosely. Maybe you went to a camp where someone prophesied over you and you're like, okay, clairvoyant. Maybe you've got all these misgivings, misconceptions, like this guy uh, who obviously has had a bad experience and enjoys mocking people. Xavier, can you play that video for us, please? The other day in prayer, I heard the Lord say to me, I'm going to begin to bless you like I've never blessed you before. And I said, Lord, why? I'm already so blessed as it is. What's going on with you? And he said, every time somebody curses you, I'm going to bless you. And I said, Lord, are people cursing me? He said, yeah, people are cursing you, but I'm turning it into a blessing every cursing. And I said, Lord, why are people cursing me? He says, because you're ugly. 
and your mother dresses you funny. I said, Lord, that hurts, but thank you for the clarity. <laughs> Maybe, you know, someone who kind of has been a bit um, put off by the God said phenomenon, that you knew someone that God said something about what they should eat for breakfast, and God said the way that they should clip their toenails, and God said this, and God said that, and you're like, I think that was your brain telling you, and it wasn't God. And so I want to give you another perspective here tonight, and I'm actually going to call on my uncle or Daz's uncle, um, and I asked him to come and have a chat, and uh, we had a chat with Nath last week, so I'm going to uh, sit on, I don't know why I needed to do that in the microphone, but um, Uncle Ray is going to come. Can we welcome Uncle Ray? And so, Uncle Ray, you were, can you just tell us about your diagnosis? Yeah, um, nine months ago, I, I felt a bit ill, so I went to the doctor and um, found out that I had incurable cancer. I'm riddled with it from head to toe. And um, it was quite a surprise, but I, I was, I'm calm about it. I know where I'm going. All right, absent from this body, present with the Lord. And it's made my faith stronger. It's made me realize God is faithful, whether you're in the mountains or whether you're in the valleys. And I, a couple of, about a few weeks later, I was in bed asleep. And I, I don't believe that I need to be sick as a Christian. I believe that God heals me. But I was sick. So you've got to face reality. I lay there and I said, Lord, I don't understand why I'm sick. But I know no matter what happens that you are in control. You, you know, you have, this is a plan and a purpose for my life. And I said, Lord, if you're not going to heal me, could, I please, could you please do for me what you did for King Hezekiah? And when King Hezekiah repented, changed his ways, he asked God to give him extra time. And he lived for another 15 years. So do you want me to keep going? He wants to ask a question. All right. Anyway, I prayed this prayer at three or four o'clock in the morning. I'm talking to God quietly. And nobody knew what I spoke. My wife over there, Christine, didn't even know about what I spoke to God. Anyway, uh, two weeks later, I get a phone call from a pastor friend and he said, can I come and pray for you? He said, I want to pray for you. I've been prayed over by a million people. <laughs> and I thought, oh, and I said, oh, all right. So anyway, he comes and he, he said, before I start, he said, I've got a word from God for you. And he said, as I did with King Hezekiah, Ray, so will I do with you. Right? And that was amazing and I was blown away and the power of the Holy Spirit dropped that day and he prayed for past me. Then a couple of weeks later, I went to a funeral. And there was a fellow there and he said, my wife 10 years ago was given a week or two to live. But she said, there was a king in the Bible... He said, I don't want to... I said, Hezekiah, that's him. And his wife is still alive today, right? And I just, you know... And then another person came to me and said the same thing. In two or three, the Bible says, in two or three. And no one could possibly know. Only me and God know what, knew what was spoken that night. And still the battle's on. I might, they say they might give me uh, two years you know, whatever, but I know God will decide when I go and if I get healed and I just want to encourage everyone. I'm in the valley right now maybe, but my faith has never been stronger. I know he is able. All right, amen. Awesome, thanks Uncle Ray. I think I've got to go around.
just to be ladylike. <laughs> um, so, you know, God does that with his word. God does that with his word. The word prophesy or prophecy is used numerous times in the New Testament, variations of the same word. And there's two aspects of it. There's aspects that, that is the foretelling of what God would do. And that's talking about events and, uh, and people who kind of predict world events or local events and things like that. You know, I even I think about that and, and there's a dear lady in, um, in Gunnedah. She must be in her 80s. But she said to me last week, um, guess what? She comes up. She's quite short. She always, like, jabs me in the tummy. Don't know that she doesn't lose a hand sometimes, but America was very satisfying. Anyway, she said, jabs me in the tummy. And she said, um, sorry, um, what'd she say? She said, oh, guess what, Bron? I said, what's that? And she said, my daddy told me that the drought's going to break. <laughs> it was awesome. That's her relationship with God. Is that she calls, she's 85 or something like that. She calls him daddy. And she said, my daddy tells me that the drought's going to break. Now, now, that will come to pass or it won't. If it's not true, we won't go Old Testament and stone her with rocks. But, but I, I love that. And if maybe she's called to that kind of calling. Time will tell. We'll find out. But then there's also not only foretelling, but what is called forthtelling. Um, Greek scholars talk about this. There's foretelling events and then there's forthtelling. And that's discerning the mind of God in a matter. Discerning the mind of God in a matter. It might be specific, it might be general, but that's when someone might say to you, you know what I think? I just think X, Y, Z. And you're like, wow, something about that just resonated and that's given me strength to go on. Why? Because actually they were speaking from God's perspective rather than our limited perspective. And that's possible. And you know what? It's possible for all of us. The Apostle Paul talks about the fact that we should eagerly desire prophecy. He says, go after the greater gifts. And he's able to speak to you from his word and speak to you from other people. And we need to test that. We don't just take on everything that comes our way. Definitely not. We test it. We let it be in the mouth of two or three witnesses. We allow, um, we allow it to line up with the word of God. There should also be an inkling in us. It shouldn't just be completely brand new. There should be an inkling in us about that. And if there isn't, you should just parking lot it until you get some more witnesses. But there should be the ability to prophesy the promise in your life. I am a student of the Word of God. I love it. I've loved it since I was 15 years old. I started reading my mum's Bible in one year on the school bus because um, that was my goal, to read the Bible in one year. I got so caught up in the Old Testament that I couldn't stop reading it. I, I left the other sections until I got up to them. Even Leviticus. Who even does that? And Deuteronomy, I loved it. I couldn't stop getting enough of it. And so I want to tell you something. People can sometimes grab a scripture out of the Word of God and apply it to a situation that it was never meant to be applied to. In fact, they, they can say things about um, people in health situations that God promised to the people of Israel because he was making them a strong nation to go in and take on a land. And then they'll apply it to a person that maybe God gave to them, but they'll apply it to someone else. And God didn't give that promise to that person. And that person ends up in a devastated, disappointed with God circumstance. Now, we should always put our trust in God and not people. And, and understand that people are people and people get it wrong sometimes. But just to display this point, I'm just going to quickly go to Leviticus chapter 19. 
because this was laws given to the people of Israel. I want you to tell me whether or not you agree this would be a good way to live. Just yell it out. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Um, Do not go about spreading splendor or slander. Definitely not splendor, though. Um, What else will we find here? How about uh, um, do not cut your bodies? Yeah. Uh, Do not practice divination or sorcery. So if we were to go, well, these things, are, I need to tell that person because it says it right here. What about this one? Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Anyone do that lately? Nath, you look awfully clean shaven. Don't you realize that Leviticus chapter 19, verse 27 says not to. Do not put tattoo marks on yourselves. <laughs> I knew it. I knew I was a clean skin for a reason. Oh, you filthy, rotten sinners. Somebody better go tell Carl Lentz. He's in the wrong. What about this one? Yeah, all all the, you know, people like me, clean skins, you're judging everybody else just like me. How about you? Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Any synthetics lately? (laughs) Pastor Mike used to be a microfiber fan, didn't you? I bet you had a microfiber suit. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) So there's a... We need to understand that we don't just randomly take Scripture and apply it to situations. And you can't just randomly like, oh, I need a word, whoop, um, oh, okay. Oh, actually, that was a really good one. (laughs) But we can't just randomly apply Scripture. We have to seek God and put it through the filter and the lens of the mouth of two or three witnesses, allow it to be confirmed in our life. But once gained, grab a hold of it, and live like you believe it. Live it like it's coming. I want to give you some steps to that. You see, because God can do that. There's Logos, which is the Word of God, and there's Rima when He quickens a word of His to you. When I was in um, youth camp, uh, I, I was 15 years old. I just didn't have any friends that year. It was awful. had my sister. That was it. My best friend had just hooked up with the guy that I had a crush on. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> and... Um, like they got engaged and got married, so I'm happy for them. Your pastors, your old pastors. <laughs> Don't tell them I had a crush on him. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, and so, um, and so I was lonely as anything. And I went and sat in the auditorium at the youth camp, and I just was so lonely. And I flicked open the Bible, and John chapter 14, verse 18, was what I flicked open to. And I'm really sorry to the young girl who was lonely at summer camp last week. And I told you, John six. Eight, which is a completely different scripture and would have made no sense to you. It's John 14, 18, which says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And as a 15-year-old, God dealt with my loneliness right then and there. He just fully just showed me who he was in that moment. So I'm going to give you eight steps really quickly. I want Belzy to come. Um, and I'm going to give you eight steps about how to prophesy the promise for your year. And, and number one is, well, ask God. What is it? What could it be? What could it be that God might have for you this year? What could it be? Last year, um, I really, I prayed and sought God. There were changes at work and Pastor Mike came on as executive pastor, changed my life. And, and I, I didn't really know, I was a bit tossed to and fro. I didn't really know what God had for me. And all I kept getting was devote yourself to the Word of God and to prayer. Devote yourself to the Word of God and to prayer. And I thought, God, that's not really a job description. And, um, and he kind of said, it's good enough for the apostles. It might be okay for you. 
Um, and, and Robbie Ross, many of you know dear Robbie Ross in town. She rang me the, the, a couple of days later. I was like, that can't be it, God, that can't be it. Robbie Ross rang. She said, Bron, I've never had a dream about you. I had a dream about you last night. God told me to tell you that uh, you're going to mine the Word of God for treasures and you're going to bring them forth like Cyrus did, treasures in the darkness. And I, I thought, okay, that's a confirmation. So number two is get a confirmation. Wait for a confirmation. Wait for it to actually grow in you, not disseminate away from you. If next week you wake up and you can't remember what it was that you thought it was, it probably wasn't in. And so wait for it to grow and get bigger in you and stronger in you and wait for that confirmation. Number three, examine the motive. Examine the motive. For example, if you're like, I know what the year over my 2020 is, it's marriage. And you want it because you're looking forward to some marriage action then that is not really the right reason to speak the word marriage over your year. Number four, who is it about? Who is it about? Who is it about? Is it about you? Let's take that example of marriage. Is it about meeting your loneliness? Is it about, you know, what needs are going to be met in you? Because if it's about you, then God has a much bigger picture than that for your life. He's got, you know, it reminds me of Zacchaeus, John the Baptist's father. He was waiting and waiting for his turn to serve in the temple. He was waiting and waiting and waiting. And he finally got the draw. You had to, you know, cast lots and get it. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And when he's in there, God speaks to him. Like this is everything that he would have wished for and hoped for. God speaks to him about a son that really has nothing to do with him. God speaks to him about a son who's going to usher in a king who's nothing to do with him. God speaks to him about a son who's going to usher in a king who's going to usher in a kingdom that has nothing so much to do with him. He speaks to him about a son who's going to usher in a king who's going to usher in a kingdom who's going to change the whole of humanity that is really nothing to do with him and on top silences him for nine months while the baby is in the womb. If it's just about you, it's not big enough. And God's got a bigger plan than that for you. Number five, does it have a touch of the supernatural in it? Or is it just a New Year's resolution? If you can accomplish what you're talking about with all your faculties and all your resources, then God's got more for you. He wants it to have a touch of the supernatural. He wants you to be fully and wholly dependent on Him. And then number six, He wants you to live in light of it. He wants you to confess it. He wants you to speak it out. He wants you to go about your day living like that thing is happening. That that is, that is going to occur. Number seven, He wants you to prepare for it. There's not eight steps, there's only seven. He wants you to prepare for it. If it's marriage, if you think marriage is in your 2020, stop dating. That's a good start. Stop dating whoever you want to all the time. Maybe become a super whole person so that you're able to offer good things to your future spouse. Maybe get rid of some habits. Maybe start washing up. It's always a good start whatever it might be, prophesy the promise. I'm going to ask Bells to sing a song right now. And um, it's about, it's from Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 is where the prophet is told to prophesy to the dry bones. And if you're not familiar with the story, it's a bit weird. It's like, like speak to the bones and then the bones start rattling and the bones like breathe life on them and put flesh on them. And it's like this zombie Thing, like, like if you read it like that but most people don't they kind of read it like a prophecy and so I'm just going to quickly read it to you because this is what God wants to do with anything in your life that is not full of life that is not 
overflowing with life. Let me speak to you. The hand of the Lord was upon me and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked and the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them as they came and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. A vast army. It goes on. You can read it at home. Ezekiel 37. But as, as, as Bella sings tonight, I believe that God is able to do a bit of a rattling in the dry bones of your life. He's able to shake things a little bit and actually give you hope for your future. I believe that even as Bella sings tonight, that you are going to be able to get a word and a hope for what's coming in your year. Maybe it'll be freedom. Maybe that's the word that's gonna come to some of you. Maybe it'll be hope. Maybe there's gonna be peace. And some of you know that point about the supernatural, that it has to be supernatural because there's no way peace is entering your situation on its own. And yet God would speak peace into your situation. So I'm gonna ask Bella to sing and let's listen to these words. Let's, Let's pray. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.